All right, well, I am excited this morning to share with you how God has been using your partnership with us and our ministry with Camps Abroad to reach young people uh, around the world. So I'm going to try to split this about 50-50 with part uh, missions presentation and part um, opening God's Word with you directly together. So that's a lot to cover in 45 minutes, so forgive me if I talk fast. Um, If you need me to slow down, put your hand up. I can slow down, but I may not stay slow for very long. All right, so uh, Camps Abroad gets to help missionaries and national pastors around the world reach their teens for Christ, and we work with them to develop camp ministries that are indigenous and sustainable long-term. So we're not going in and trying to do something... um, Uh, so specialized that only we can do it, like with our team and our equipment and our stuff and our background and our resources. We're trying to help them figure out how to have a successful camp program that reaches young people for Christ with their people and their resources. So what we're passionate about is enabling churches on every continent to reach the hearts and the minds of teens through life-altering camp experiences. And something I love about this statement is that we are trying to reach both the heart and the mind of young people. We want to reach the mind with facts, things that are true about God, things that are true about God's Word, things that are true about Jesus Christ that never change. And so we do want to communicate truth, and yet it's not just a matter of uh, academia and theology and opening textbooks and sitting in a class. We do want to reach their hearts. And so we're connecting them with these young people, with some slightly older young people who love them and care about them and want to share the love of Christ with them. And so in that way, we can help reach their hearts as well, um, in addition to their minds. Now, some of you may have a hesitation about this statement. You're saying, really, every continent? Okay, every inhabited continent, every continent except one. Um, I don't know how many local churches there are in Antarctica, um, but if they want a camp ministry for their young people, um, we are glad to, to see if that's something that's workable and sustainable with their people and their resources. And so if you know them, have them reach out to us. We would love an excuse to uh, go to Antarctica. Um, so Rachel and I have been with Camps Abroad for five years. Um, and so that's Rachel and me and Bailey. So if you're new here or don't know us, you can come by, ask to hold Bailey. She may say yes. She may say no. Um, you increase your chances if you have food. Um, so, yes, that's, that's what you need to know about Bailey right now, I guess. Um, she, likes, she likes her food. She likes uh, outside and things like that. Um, there's a few others that work with Camps Abroad. Um, Matt Collier, some of you may know him. He started Camps Abroad back in 2001 and has continued as director. And uh, he, he has his time split a little bit between Camps Abroad and then he also works as uh, president of the Wilds. Uh, Christian Camp uh, Association. And then Dan Brooks, some of you may know him as well. He's worked with Camps Abroad for many years, and he splits his time between the Wilds and Camps Abroad. And we have a secretary who is also uh, part-time with Camps Abroad. So that leaves us as actually the only full-time couple with Camps Abroad. And so we devote uh, a significant amount of our time to Camps Abroad uh, relative to to these others. Um, So why camp at all? Why have Christian camping in in these places. Well, God is using the tool of Christian camping both in the U.S. and around the world to reach young people for him. Uh, Pastor Brent just shared a little bit about the ministry opportunities at Grandview and the role that that is filling out there in the West and even with outreach uh, to some of these uh, Navajo peoples. 
And, you know, we've, we've see, we see that at, at Grandview, we see that at the Wilds, um, and many of you probably have a camp experience that you would say, God really used that in my life. In fact, some of our uh, visiting missionaries this week have even said, I was at camp and God did this in my life. And so I, I think there's reasons for that, and I will get to that, but... Uh, many of you know from your own experience that God uses camp in your life, or you've seen God use camp in your children's lives, and we see the same thing around the world. So uh, in the past 20 years or so, Camps Abroad has sent 150 teams to more than 50 countries on six continents and helped really, actually, I, I believe over 100 ministries now. And so when I mention a team there, that's just a group of a few people going for typically about a 10 days to do some training and run a week of camp with them and then return to the U.S. And I think that I didn't, I need to update that number. I think it's closer to 200. Um, I just didn't have time to count uh, yesterday and go through uh, all of our records wherever they are and find out exactly that number. Um, but people going, returning, and a lot of these camps are continuing. So we'll get to that in just a moment. But up next, I've got a, a video that'll introduce you to a little bit more of what camp looks like around the world. And you're going to be hearing a lot of my voice this morning. So uh, I'll let my coworkers explain a lot of this. When we first started Camps Abroad back in 2001, a number of churches um, had contacted us asking for help and they didn't really know how to reach young people. We knew camping as an incredible tool, both for salvation and spiritual growth. The goal was just to be a help to those pastors, the missionaries who may have excellent uh, ministry training, but they don't really have that specific niche of camping. We are passionate about helping churches reach those young people. And so our heart has always been to give them the Word of God and to see God transform their lives. Without Camps Abroad's help, we might have eventually figured it out, but it would have been a really bumpy road. Camps Abroad has a strong emphasis on doing things orderly. That's what I think is one of their greatest strengths in helping these international camps really work at a much higher level of excellence in organization, planning, execution program that has been very invaluable for us. I really wanted to start a camp here in Bangladesh because nobody ever tried camping in Bangladesh. So my vision and my dream was that uh, I want to show them the real peace. I want to introduce them with the Prince of Peace who gave us peace here in the earth. Filipinos love camping in general. I believe that suits the Filipinos culture. Outdoors is one of the best ways to reach the youth now because they're so focused on their gadgets. Of course, internet, social media, and online gaming. So I believe camping just takes them away from those things and for them to hear the Word of God over and over and over again, camping is one of the best tools that we could reach the next generation for Christ. I think it's a place where in one week, the Word of God 
it's preached and taught and you get more of it than you get in two or three months in a local church to see young people come and sit under that and it's a balance of ministry that in a sense allows me to do the things that I think God's called me to do and I think it's a tremendous help to local churches throughout Peru. In Malawi a few years ago, there were a number of pastors that were working as counselors. It was so fun to watch them get involved in big ball, the different games, and they had as much fun as the young people. At the end of the week, they grouped up around me to give testimony of how the week had changed their lives. They said in their churches, they had always looked over young people. Now they understood that they could have a vibrant ministry with that group of people from their churches. Camping provides built-in discipleship opportunities for these local churches and especially the counselors. As they get in with the young people, they get to know them, they're building relationships with them. Uh, it is just a built-in opportunity to share God's Word with them on a personal basis. They get to eat with them, they sleep in the same rooms with them, they play games with them. It's just a full package. The young people really open up. Many young people really don't know where they are going. They have no hope at all. We want to see the campers grow in the Lord. If they are not saved, they will be saved. We want God to be glorified uh, in, through this camp, and we want God himself to work here. Ultimately, it comes back to God's Word. God's Word is what changes lives, and camping is an opportunity for them to hear the Bible in a way that they can relate to. We deal with subjects that they are dealing with uh, on a daily basis. We are able to really give them God's truth in a way that they connect with, and it gets them away to a place where they can actually focus on what God has for them. God has really used this ministry in a profound way. The exciting part about it for me is that many of these camps are continuing on without our involvement. The camps that we work with are not big. There's just a lot of faithful folks ministering the Word of God in hard-to-reach places. Our goal is to come in and give them the tools that they need, and then we're going to phase out as soon as we can. We're going to move the scaffolding on to another place and help somebody else. And we're just seeing God really multiply those efforts, and we're looking forward to seeing what He does in the days ahead as well. God's ministry today is centered on local churches. That's His program. We want to help local churches in Peru, primarily through the preaching and teaching of the Word. Helping not just one local church, but really all the local churches here. Camp ministry just makes a lot of sense. When we travel around to churches in the States, we often ask how many people have been impacted by camp, either salvation or a major life-changing decision. And it is routinely the vast majority of people that we uh, are speaking to. All we're doing with Camps Abroad is taking that incredible ministry of camping and we're exporting it around the world. God does the same incredible work because it's the Word of God that transforms lives. It's the gospel that changes people. And we have the privilege of seeing that happen 
all over the world in all different settings and all different cultures. And God is still doing a great work through camping. All right, so that gives you a little bit of taste of what it looks like in some different places. And so if this is what our team has been doing, what's continuing? That's one of the questions we get asked um, most frequently. Well, we don't have an exact count on uh, percentages and everything, but we do know that of the camps that Camps Abroad has served over the years, those now on an annual basis serve more than 500 churches and more than 10,000 campers each year. And those are just the ones that are continuing on their own without our involvement. Um, And so that's about the size of... the wilds of North Carolina in the summer. Um, that camp serves about 1,000 campers a week for 10 weeks. Um, and so this is just a few, uh, you know, I say a few, many camps of maybe 60 people, maybe 150 campers, maybe 200 here, uh, 100 there, uh, spread all over the world, uh, reaching young people in those places. And so we're really uh, grateful for how God has done that and excited to see what he continues to do in the coming years as well. So... Uh, Some of the unique benefits of Christian camping. What makes camp so successful? Well, one is that it provides a platform for relationships. And you understand this. Um, You bring young people together uh, and put them with a a young adult who is just interacting with them all week, playing the activities with them, eating meals with them, and throughout that week looking for those opportunities to just get a window into their heart. What is God doing in their life? How can I encourage them? Where can they take their next spiritual step? What are their questions about the gospel? What is their relationship with Jesus Christ? And so if you have someone who is just living alongside uh, teenagers for... Those four, five days, um, they have some real opportunities to, to build those relationships. Along with that, fun with a purpose. We do play a lot of games, but we're really serious about games. Uh, they, serve, they serve a purpose. Um, they build bridges. They break down barriers. And so it's a lot of fun. Um, but it helps those teenagers know that, yeah, we do want you to have fun. We're not just here to teach, although we are. Uh, we want you to enjoy life, enjoy life together, enjoy life with your friends, and build those relationships uh, through those activities as well. And then camp also gets people away from daily distractions. Um, we were in a country not long ago where uh, about 60% of the population has access to regular electricity in their homes. Okay, So what percent would you expect to have a cell phone then? Maybe about, about the same, 60%. Well, that number is actually closer to 90% uh, because they may have a battery pack or solar power or they'll, they'll charge their cell phone when they're in town. Um, they'll find a way to charge it because they have it, uh, even if they don't have electricity in their home. And so even something like, like technology that can be a distraction uh, to us, and we know that, to bring young people away from that and uh, away from their cell phones for a little while uh, can have a huge benefit. But even aside from just technology, right, there are good things that teenagers can do at home, and there are bad things they can do in their own communities with their friends, and uh, maybe even some some things that are not necessarily bad, but just take a lot of time and and attention. And so to bring them around the Word of God in a really concentrated way, way where they hear the Word of God preached and taught, and they have group discussions and individual Bible study where they're reading it on their own And maybe for some of these young people, it's the first time in their life where they've sat down and opened a Bible and read it and been given some questions to think through so that they can read it for themselves and really uh, consider how it relates to their life instead of just having someone tell them what the Bible means, 
but to actually read it for themselves and discuss it with others to, to understand it and see it uh, for themselves uh, is really powerful. And we believe it is the Word of God that changes lives and so presenting it in so many different ways with these unique benefits. Um, we've seen God use that over and over again. Um, a little bit about our model with camping. Um, we're always working with local leadership, so we're not going in and saying, hey, this place looks really strategic, a uh, huge population of young people, let's go start a camp in Johannesburg. Um, we're not doing that. We're going when someone says, we want to have a camp ministry, can you show us how? Because then, after we leave, there is someone that already has this burden, this desire to carry it on, and so when we leave, it's not like there's a vacuum and there's nobody that's interested. Um, we are empowering uh, local believers to do, to do this work. Um, and then we'll provide hands-on training. We'll go, give instruction, model it for them, but eventually we'll phase out. And even some of that training, we'll work about six months ahead of time with uh, some Zoom calls and correspondence to make sure that things are well-prepared. And we do have a very, very thorough system of helping them prepare for a lot of details so that it's not shocking and surprising the amount of logistics that go into planning a four-day overnight uh, event for 150 people. Um, Because that can be a little bit intimidating, um, but eventually we want to phase out. We can't run 100 camps around the world every year. By God's grace, over 20 years, we can help 100 camps get started. Um, And those can continue long-term on their own. Uh, And there's really a huge benefit that I'm sure you understand of working with these local churches. Uh, Just for an example, this is Ati and Luke in South Africa. Um, Ati came to a camp that we did um, a couple of years ago. And he came to camp, enjoyed it. Some of his friends came to know the Lord, but Ati did not. Now, the challenge for Ati is that he's deaf. So he would come to camp and he, he enjoyed a lot of the activities, but he couldn't understand everything that was going on. Um, well, as a result of camp, uh, Ati got connected with a local church there and started attending regularly. Again, he didn't understand everything that was going on, but knew that the people loved him and cared about him. Well, several weeks after camp ended, Luke uh, went back and forth on a whiteboard with Ati, sharing the gospel, asking questions, answering questions, and Ati came to know the Lord about two months after camp ended. Um, so if we had just gone to run an event in Port Elizabeth, South Africa left the U.S., came back, you know, there would be people like Ati, perhaps, who are interested and willing to be connected, but if we didn't have uh, that that partnership with those believers there on the ground, who knows what would be Ati's story. Um, And so then Ati was baptized several months later back at a follow-up camp we did um, the following year, and so it's been really neat to see what God has done in Ati's life, even through uh, that, that connection there. Camps Abroad is global and mobile. We go all over the world. We receive requests from all over the world, and we can go just about anywhere. So we have done camps in, you know, a city of, like, uh, 10 million people, um, urban, find a concrete uh, (laughs) patio area in between the uh, apartment buildings to play big ball volleyball. And so we can make it work just about anywhere. Um, That's not my favorite venue for camp. Um, I really like those places where you have a full-size soccer pitch and uh, everything else that you can can use, but camp is very, very flexible. We'll pack everything into two checked bags, um, all the equipment, so we can fit a couple of big balls, all the playground balls, cones, megaphone, um, on and on. It's uh, almost a science at this point. Um, And so camps abroad is very, very flexible in that way. And just a sampling of that, just for Rachel and me in 2023, 
we or or I've gone solo to a couple of these, but uh, we were together in Chile in the south uh, in February, and then I went to Kenya in May. We were together in South Africa in June, and then I was just in Malawi and Rwanda earlier this summer as well. Uh, and then, Lord willing, in about oh, seven weeks, we'll be on our way to Nepal uh, to work with a group there. Um, really interesting situation, working with all um, local believers, and so not directly with any American missionaries there, and they're trying to do a little bit more outreach into the Hindu community as well, um, which is good, but it also brings some, some additional challenges and, and tensions, and so we're trying to, be, trying to be careful about that as they, they navigate that. And then, Lord willing, in December to Nicaragua, this will be a follow-up trip to a, a camp that we did last year. Typically, we'll, if, if things go well, we'll go one year. And really lead a lot of the camp. So I'll do a lot of the training um, and run a lot of the games and almost like a demonstration. And then the second year, it'll be a lot more shared where we're, we're splitting the, the training with the, the local believers who saw it the year before and then sharing a lot of the, the program stuff as well. And then ideally, the third year, we would not go back and we would let them do it on their own and maybe go back for a follow-up visit later. So this trip to Nicaragua would be a second visit with the group there. Really uh, exciting things going on there um, as well with a Bible college uh, that's just primed and ready to use their students as the counselors and run a camp on their facility, and they have so many uh, young people in that community that they can reach. And then this trip to to Chile back in February led to a possibility in a new part of the country, um, Lord willing, in January, and then Guatemala, Lord willing, in March. So all of these... I feel very compelled to put that Lord willing in front of it or behind it because, uh, as you know, travel and international travel in particular can be uh, a little bit uh, of an unknown for us. And so these are our plans. And so we'd appreciate your prayers for those things as well. And honestly, each one of these bullet points could be 15 minutes that we could talk about that. Um, So if you've got questions about any of that, we'd love to to share more. I do want to highlight just a few camps uh, that we were at recently to tell you how God has used your partnership um, in these ways. And so Kenya, back in May, um, the group there had a long-term burden for camp. They saw the value of camp to really elevate their young adults and their own Bible study and basic counseling principles. And so there's a a Kenyan pastor there named Bernard, and he said, I want camp for the teenagers, yes, but I want it even more for the young adults. Um, We see it as a good outreach tool, but we see it as something really valuable for this discipleship training, teaching them to lead small group discussions, teaching them to minister the Word of God one-on-one, teaching them to disciple somebody and dig into somebody's life and build these relationships. And so that was really his desire. Um, And so this year was a follow-up camp, that second visit that I talked about. Um, And he was really excited to see the counselors really even developing a culture of Bible study among themselves that didn't used to exist. Um, and so uh, you see there are 15 professions of faith. Okay, we don't keep tight records on all this professions of faith, but uh, because I don't want to be presumptuous and say that um, you know we're doing this or that we, we know 100% on all of this, and yet I get excited about these things, and I think it's fair and right that you would know as well how God is using your partnership in this way. And so uh, these are not from... Uh, large invitations, raise your hand. This is from counselors one-on-one 
um, leading campers to the Lord. And so that's, that's the case in Kenya. Uh, also in Kenya, the counselors are seeing uh, development in their own program and their skills and abilities there, and they're eager to develop that culture of Bible study, as, as I mentioned. Um, in South Africa... The, the situation there was a little bit unique. Um, typically, we're doing an overnight teen camp. Uh, six years ago, uh, we met an American missionary who was just starting a work in a particular Zulu Valley in South Africa. And he said, you know what, you're talking about camps abroad is very interesting, and it would fit really well with the ministry that we have. We're just not ready. So in five years, I'm going to call you. Okay. Um, well, this past summer, he called me and said, hey, we're going to be in Greenville. Can we get together and talk about camp? Well, sure, that's what we do. Um, And so uh, that led to this trip. And so he said, you know, right now, because of the early phase of gospel spread into this valley, um, there's a lot of challenges. It's a hypersexualized culture, and so we're just really reluctant to get a bunch of teenagers together overnight. We've had very little um, inroads with the teenagers. So it's not like these are teens that we're well-connected with. They just have been pretty resistant to the gospel. Their parents are resistant to the gospel. Overnight camp is just not a thing. In fact, staying overnight at a friend's house is just not a thing. So we should really do a day camp, and it should really be for kids. I said, okay, um, that's a little uh, outside the box for us, but we're fine with that if that's what, what helps support your ministry the best. And so, so those are some of the unique challenges that led us to say, yeah, let's do that, that day camp. Um, there as well. And so the group there found the program to be very helpful and practical. They were building relationships more quickly than they have uh, consistently with with these kids that they've got those opportunities with. And so this is something that we probably won't go for those full three visits right now um, because we were able to run a simple day camp program, but something that they can continue with their own people and their own resources uh, long-term as well. And then just one more, uh, Malawi. Uh, This is another really exciting one. A couple years ago, there was an American missionary that we met, and he said, so you do camp. I know a guy in Malawi who has wanted camp for years and years and years. He just isn't quite ready. He hasn't been ready to pull the trigger. He doesn't know how. He just knows that he wants to do that. In fact, when they built the Bible College property, uh, they put up a sign, and it says, uh, I think it's Trinity Baptist Church, Bible College, Youth Camping, but they had never had a youth camp. He just knew that he wanted it. Um, so he put us in touch, and honestly, it has been one of the just most close fits philosophically where you just meet this guy, and you're like, just right down the line on everything. So, you know, we're driving uh, from the airport, and this is a Malawian pastor, and we're talking about hermeneutics, and he says, you know, I love teaching hermeneutics because if we can get hermeneutics right, we can get everything else right. Um, if we can read our Bible for what it is and understand it for what it is, then all these other doctrinal areas, we can, we can get that. And so, um, super, super fun group there. Uh, highly competitive campers, highly competitive counselors, and I knew that from the year before, and so in training this year, I definitely said a few things to try to, you know, cut down on the, uh, how do I say fighting without saying fighting? Um, <laughs> competitive spirit. Uh, keeping it all in balance um, from early on, and so it actually went super, super well. Uh, love working with this group there. Um, the celebration that you can see in this picture is because they just played a game that amounted to pushing a big ball in circles. Um, it was amazing. You, it, I wish you could have seen it. Um, and the, apparently the, the blue team won because they're absolutely excited. All right, but then um, again, fruit from the efforts of the counselors. They were really serious about having these group discussions, these one-on-one conversations. Again, we didn't have huge come-forward, go-back invitations, um, just 
uh, young people talking with their counselors in 50 professions of faith, and I have no doubt that they will be able to be successful um, in running this, this program in the future on their own. All right, I've stuck a slide here that's actually a little bit outdated. Um, when we started with Camps Abroad, we said, all right, here's some of our next steps, the goals, the reasons why Camps Abroad asked us to join the ministry. We'd like to increase the number of international trips by about 30%. Uh, we'd like to double the number of campers being reached annually in the next five years. And then we'd also like to develop some MK missionary kid camps. Um, so when we started with Camps Abroad, Camps Abroad was able to take about 10 to 12 trips a year. This year we're on track for 20. So that's a little bit more than 30%. Um, so we're very grateful for how the Lord has allowed that to be so successful. Doubling the number of campers, we haven't sent out a, a survey in the last couple of years to know for sure. Um, COVID definitely put a slump into those numbers. There's some camps that I think still have not resumed from that, uh, whether they got out of um, their, their groove. But we'll see what, what that does in the next coming years. And then we have been able to, to do some camps for missionary kids. And Lord willing, in I think June or maybe early July, we'll have a camp for missionary kids in South Africa there as well. So God is allowing this to be successful, and so there's uh, a lot more work to be done for sure. So thank you for your part in all of this. Thank you for praying uh, for us and praying with us. Thank you for giving, and thank you for uh, even those of you that, that ask, you're, you're uh, in touch, reading our, our prayer letters and stuff like that. So how to pray for Camps Abroad. Um, leading us to the right ministry partners. God has done this consistently, and so I have no doubt that he will. But we do continue to pray that God would lead us to the right people uh, to, to work with internationally. And then uh, a constant is always this wisdom in cross-cultural advising, right? If I am giving advice on how to run this program in a culture with which I am really not very familiar, um, I just need to be careful, okay? And so that wisdom, that patience to step back and, and be sure that I am listening well, but then also pushing sometimes, because often we'll, we'll hear something like, well, you're the experts, so yeah, whatever you do, just do that. Say, okay, well, I know a lot about camp, but I know absolutely nothing about Nepalese culture, so um, please help me. Um, so just wisdom there, and then staffing needs. We are looking at increasing the uh, uh, co-laborers with, with Camps Abroad just because uh, our staff is currently uh, really completely maxed out on these international trips as well. How to pray for us uh, specifically. Uh, our support is currently at 90%, and so thank you for your part in that. Um, that is something that we are continuing to work at slowly. Our director and board has said, hey, we don't want that to be your focus. You have so many opportunities with the international ministry. Uh, we'll, we'll find ways to, to cover that 10% gap for now, but as you're able to, just keep taking those church meetings and, and set things up to, to finish that out. Uh, we'd appreciate your prayers for energy and health and safety on these trips. Um, and then, as I mentioned before, wisdom and clarity, particularly in cross-cultural communication. And so even as you've prayed for us, thank you for being our church family. Uh, people often ask us, so you do all this travel, and sometimes, Tim, you're gone. Rachel, do you have, you know, do you have family right there in Clemson? Well, no, we we don't. Um, most of her family lives a thousand miles away. Most of my family lives two thousand miles away, and so you know it's kind of a long way to go for a weekend. Um, so we say, yeah, we have our church family. There's you know probably ten families within five minutes or so that we could call and would just you know help us if we ever needed anything. So thank you for being so available to us and for allowing us to come over, crash your place, and for your, um, encouraging Rachel and helping her. Uh, while we're gone at these times. So in the other room, we do have some prayer cards and wristbands as well. And if you'd like to sign up for email updates, we have that as well. I mentioned um, 
monthly givings at 90%. And then uh, if you're not getting any information from Camps Abroad, uh, we have a newsletter that comes out three or four times a year. You can put your email down, check that box. Prayer updates come out once a month. And then when we're on the ground overseas, we try to send out a few updates saying, hey, here's what happened at training. Here's what we're expecting with camp. And so that's usually two or three emails in the course of 10 days while we're on the ground overseas. And then if you... um, want social media as well, uh, Facebook and Instagram, you can find Camps Abroad on there. A third of the world's population is currently under the age of 20. Okay, this is not true in Florida. Um, But globally, there's a lot of countries that actually half of the population is under the age of 20. In fact, even uh, a number of countries where the median age is 18, 17, 16... Uh, and so you have a huge population of young people. That's 2.5 billion young people spread around the world. That could be campers right now or within the next couple of years. Uh, and so I just want to share a few things that some of these young people were saying at a camp not long ago, all from the same camp. Um, one said, this week I learned that Jesus alone saves. Another, uh, I was not very religious. Our culture is not the same as what I learned here. This place is different. I used to worship God without the Bible and without humility, but now I am a daughter of our Savior. Another said this, this week I got saved. All you have to do is believe, repent, and trust. And this is a girl coming from a Roman Catholic background who um, had long sensed that, you know, I believe that there's a God, I believe that there's a Jesus who did something for me, and I just got to work the rest of the way and you know, to, to, to be good enough for God to accept me and to understand the simplicity of the gospel of it not being by works. Uh, Another said, I used to be angry at God for taking my dad. I didn't think I ever deserved God's forgiveness, but this week I realized that God can still use me in a special way. And this was actually a counselor who had been just wondering if he could ever really be used by God because of some things that he'd struggled with personally in his life. And so to realize, no, God God uses broken people uh, when they humble themselves and serve him. Another said this, when I go home, I will share the gospel with my family. Regardless of what they say, I need to introduce them to Jesus. And I know I have my friends at my back. Another said this, I didn't read the Bible, but here I was learning the Bible. Uh, I told my counselor of a big sin. Would God really forgive me? I have accepted Christ, and now I know that I can confess to God any sin, no matter how big or small. This week, my friend asked me if I was truly saved. I realized I'm a sinner. I don't know the Bible. I've never memorized a verse, but now I am 100% sure of my salvation, and I will be sharing the gospel with my family when I go home today. The counselor said this, we've prayed and asked God for many things, including the weather and safety, and God has prepared the harvest, and now he is bringing the harvest. And this is something that we see consistently. I don't want to say presumptuously that I expect to hear things like this consistently. Um, And yet, I really do expect to, um, because we're sharing the word of God um, through relationships with believers who love these people and care about them. And it's just so consistent to see God working and building his kingdom in so many different places that I am consistently, like, uh, joyfully surprised and yet not shocked um, that, that God is working in these ways. And so we believe that this is the mission field that God has called Rachel and me to. And so we're grateful for these opportunities and so grateful to have you as a church family behind every single one of these stories and behind all the stories that I haven't told but I could tell but I probably shouldn't right now. Um, but if you ask, we've got, we, can, we can talk more about this. So thank you for, for your part in all of this. In the 
um, uneven split of time remaining. If you would turn in your Bibles to the book of Psalms, um, Psalm 96. It's exciting for us to share what God is doing around the world, to share about teens coming to know Christ. We get excited about that, and I can see from your faces that you also get excited about that, and we're grateful for that. Um, But there's the day-to-day challenges of life that don't always look like all the testimonies on the screen, right? Okay, Um, these trips for me or us usually last 10, 11, 12 days. A lot of that's travel. A lot of it's training, four days of camp usually, and so the amount of time that is really focused on the interaction with the campers and sharing the gospel with with unsaved kids is actually kind of a small piece of the pie. A lot of it is typing out notes and responding to questions and emails, and so there's a lot of life that maybe is a lot more mundane, right? You understand that from your own uh, situation in life, that a lot of your day-to-day activities is just what you do. It's, it's simple. It's not complicated. It's pressing buttons on a keyboard. It's thinking about something. It's writing a note. It's talking to somebody. It's serving somebody in customer service, and it's interacting with your coworkers. It's just simple. It's what you do. It doesn't always look like testimonies on the screen. So there's the, the day-to-day maybe mundaneness of life. And then there's also the day-to-day challenges, right? I didn't put all of life's challenges up there. I'm giving a, a ministry presentation, okay? Um, there's times where we're discouraged, maybe living in fear and living in frustration and disappointment. And into all of this, God speaks. He gives us his word, and he speaks truth about himself and things that ground us and really, really give us hope. So look at Psalm 96. I'm going to read the psalm And then make a few observations. Psalm 96 says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the, heavens re, uh, let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. And this psalm calls us to respond to the greatness of God. And so maybe you're here today and you feel a lot of the weight of life, whether it's through severe disappointment. Maybe it's not so severe. It's just a a, a burden that you have on your heart. Maybe it's not something super recent. Maybe it's something in the past or something you're nervous about upcoming, graduating from college and things like this. And there's things that we go through that put weight into our life and that can take our joy. And yet, in all of that, God shows us that there is 
that he himself is in heaven and he truly reigns. He gives us hope in life. He frees us from fear and his wonders, his wonderful works, bring about a response. And that response, according to this psalm, is essentially we must talk about our wonderful God. Uh, you and I must talk about our wonderful God. And he puts that, uh, the psalmist brings that into in two ways. There's the, the singing and worshiping of praising God directly, but there's a very verbal response. It's not just, you know, play a song and play music, but a, a speaking, uh, giving to the Lord glory. So there's a verbal response to God of praising him. There's also a verbal response to others of telling others about our wonderful God. And so... In order to do this, you, you see that this psalm is written really from a place of someone who has a deep and personal relationship with God. It's not just someone listing a few attributes, here's some theology about God, but someone who is genuinely excited about worshiping God. We have to know our God personally and deeply. And even in the role that God has called us to in the Great Commission, this is really something that's near and dear to our hearts, is helping young adults as well as teenagers get to know their God more deeply and more personally through Bible study, and through understanding how God's word relates to their life. And so I mentioned this pastor friend in Kenya, and he's taken a lot of time just to talk and share his heart with us. And uh, I think two years ago he said, it's been said that Christianity in Africa is a mile wide and an inch deep. And he said it's it's true in his own evaluation. He went on to explain that what they need in their communities, or he needs in his communities, is not necessarily more church plants. He said there's plenty of churches And they're often filled with well-intentioned but not well-grounded believers. And so he told us of a Christian family close to him and very consistent in church, a family in which the mother had a medical problem and the doctor gave a diagnosis. It wasn't treatable. It was terminal. And so the family then sought to discover and resolve the sins of their ancestors. You know, what sin of my ancestors is not taken care of that the mother would have this this physical difficulty? And of course, this spiritual research and solution is very costly. Um, and physically and spiritually, it's useless, and the mother died. And so maybe it's a startling story in some ways where you're like, whoa, that's um, really out there. You claim to be a Christian, this normal church-going believer with this wart of syncretism, worldliness, blindly following the prevailing worldview that's just really anti-God, but they do it because they think it's the only way. And yet, if we're honest, I think this story is really not that startling. Um... Because what is our response often, like our just instant reaction when really hard things come, or even those moderately hard things? Is it immediately to cast ourselves on the mercies of God and say, you know what, God, you've got this, you're in control of this, what do you want me to do? Or is it first to try to arrange things and figure things out, and then along the way maybe we'll pray as well? Because I have no doubt that this family, you know, probably went to resolve the sins of their ancestors and probably prayed as well, okay? Um, There's a... just such a tendency to be pulled by what people around us do and what they see and what we see. And so what gets us through those times? Is it yourself? Is it our resilience and diligence and ingenuity to resolve the problem? And so maybe this traditional Kikuyu response was theistic in a spiritistic way, but our tendencies are atheistic, atheistic. And so which is really worse? Anytime that we're trying to resolve our problems apart from God... And independent of God, and without God, you know, we have a problem. And so I'm not, I'm not trying to excuse anyone, and I'm not trying to belittle anyone. I'm just saying that we have to know our God, we have to know what God teaches, and we have to go to that 
in the hard times and celebrate his person in the forefront of our minds, not just in the hard times, but consistently so that we're not just pulled to whatever the culture around us says, just go to this as your solution. This will solve it. Okay? We need to know our God. And so this psalm really points us to the greatness of God in a variety of ways. I won't go into all of that for sake of time. But today, God is no less majestic, no less beautiful, no less glorious uh, than he is in this psalm. In fact, I would argue that the New Testament gives us a bigger window into who our God is through the person of Jesus Christ. The author of Hebrews makes this point, that we have a bigger window into the greatness of our God. And so if this psalmist is so over-the-top excited that he would just give these commands, like the same command, three times in a row, because this is important, how much more important is it for us? And so he makes a point about God's greatness and how God does great things as well, his marvelous works. And so all of those marvelous works that you see in the Old Testament, perhaps the Exodus, pointing forward to a time when Jesus would permanently and perfectly release and free people from their sins, the excitement of that, we get to see in retrospect of what God has done through Jesus Christ. And so again, that bigger window that we have. So if this psalmist is saying this is an appropriate response to our God and his greatness, I would argue that for us, it is just as appropriate and maybe a little bit more because of the bigger window we have into the magnificence of our God. And he really makes this point of tell, declare to the nations. And um, there's this, this verbal response of telling both God, praising God, but also telling other people. Um, an interesting connection with that word. Um, in the Septuagint, it's translated with the, the root euangelizo, which you may recognize as related to euangelion or gospel, the word we use as gospel to declare good news. That's what we consistently see in the New Testament as translated as proclaiming the gospel or talking about Jesus Christ. And so that's a very appropriate use of a word here to tell people about the good news, to tell people of what uh, God is. And so you even see from this psalm that Israel was never supposed to be 100% insular, but to go out and declare to the nations how great God is. And so again, if they were supposed to do that, how much more ought we, with the bigger window that we have in the New Testament of Jesus so clearly sending people out, tell people, let uh, let the world know who God is. So just one more observation before I finish. What are we going to tell them? This psalm lists a couple of things, but really the climax comes to Tell them that the Lord is coming, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming to what? To judge. Good news! Isn't that what you were thinking? Right? Good news. God's coming to judge. Well, it can be. Are there people in this world who have been hurt by sin in ways that, I'm sorry, just doesn't quite fix it? Or people who have been hurt just by the brokenness of this world in a way that, you know, it's just never quite set right in this life. You know what? Jesus is coming to set all things right. And so for those who have hope in Jesus Christ, this is really good news, that God will set all things right. That is why all of creation is rejoicing at the end of the psalm, is because Jesus is coming to set things right. It's not good news if you are anti-God or following something other than God, because we know that the only hope for forgiveness, the only hope to be forgiven from our own sins, to not face the righteous penalty that we deserve of judgment is in Jesus Christ. And so for those who are under that 
wrath of God, the good news is that they don't have to be. And so this actually is an incredible message of hope and good news that God is coming to judge. And so maybe that's not the way you introduce your conversation. Um, but it is worth having in your mind that people who have been broken and hurt by sin, their own sin or somebody else's sin, God's going to set things right. And that can be incredible hope for people who are hurting and suffering. And so this is a message in a psalm that is really amplified throughout Scripture and throughout the New Testament as we have a bigger window into the greatness and goodness of our God. So let's pray and thank God for what he's given us. Lord, we thank you most of all for Jesus and for the hope that we have in him that your judgment is really a resolution to the sin and the pain and the hurt that this world faces. And so we pray that you give us hearts of compassion, even as we've sung today, that we'd have compassion for hurting, that we'd show them who you are and the goodness and hope that we can have in you. We pray that you would give us hearts that rejoice to you and that ground us uh, in your word and in who you are and that our hearts would uh, just overflow in telling others about your goodness both to us and uh, universally. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.